This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. Good morning. It's episode 54 of Go To Grandma, and one that I'm calling Intelligent Life. I'm your host, Kathy Buckworth, and you're in for another half hour fun and facts for today's grandparents. Whether you're new on this journey, a veteran grandparent, or just wistfully thinking about the day when you can hold that grandchild, I hope you find valuable information every week on this show. I know I do. First up on the show, we have the story of a very young life, a life that started three and a half months too soon. Jack Horgan's daughter, Tess, came into the world fast and furious, and it changed Jack's life forever. Her journey with her preemie daughter reshaped her life and career and the lives of her family around her. Jack is going to tell us what that was like and how grandparents can really help and not hinder or harm the process of caring for and raising a premature baby. And then, oh baby, do we have a fun segment for you. Do you know what AI stands for? You probably do. It's artificial intelligence. Okay, harder question then. Do you know if you are using AI today? Do you anticipate using it in the future? Mohit Rajans works in three verticals, dad, digital, and diversity. And today, this dadspotting.com blogger and digital expert is going to tell us how we are using AI today and where it's going amongst the different generations and even how it's being regulated. Fascinating and fun. Our regular Take 5 with RBC series continues with another fan favorite second act. The second acts we profile are always inspiring, and this one is no different. Peter Hoy spent 30 years as a government employee, but now you can find him away from his desk and in the water. You'll want to hear about this paddle coach for youth and people with disabilities. It might even float your boat, which is way better than being up a certain creek without a paddle. Grab your morning beverage and let's not waste any more time. We have a lot to get through. Jack Hurrigan is up first. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you're listening to Go To Grandma. Jack Hoorigan is a Second City alumni who somehow fell into hosting, cooking, and lifestyle shows in both the U.S. and Canada. She acted in some films and TV shows, mostly as the concerned mom, which wasn't a big stretch artistically as she is, in fact, a mom, with some concerns. On February 13, 2011, her life changed forever when her micro-preemie daughter Tess was born three and a half months too soon. It was during those 82 days in the NICU where Jack discovered her improv and media skills would be put to better use empowering patients, families, and clinicians. She began volunteering for the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation and was on staff at Mount Sinai as the NICU Parent Partner and Family Integrated Care Program Parent Advisor. Jack co-founded Sway Partners with her lifelong friend, Ellen Morita. They are on a mission to help people communicate effectively through purposeful storytelling, leadership presence, and improv. Good morning, Jack Horgan, who is in studio with me today. I'm so excited. I am more excited than you. Uh, actually, seeing your eyes and making eye contact, it's such a bizarre feeling, it's, but delightful. It's wonderful. And I, maybe we'll talk about this as we get into the topic with you. But in, in terms of touch and seeing people and all of that, um, your daughter, Tess, as I referenced in the introduction, was born very prematurely. How much did she weigh, Jack? She weighed two pounds and five ounces. Isn't that incredible? And today she's how old? She is 11 and weighs more than two pounds and five ounces. <laughs> She's put on some weight since then. Yeah. <laughs> In a good way. Yeah, you know what? She is just finishing up grade five. She's hilarious and healthy, Amazing. and I'm very, very, very fortunate. 
Yeah, amazing. And, you know, your world before you had Tess was obviously, I know you in your previous life, you know, you're a performer, you're an entertainer, you're out there, you're doing things. And all of a sudden you find yourself in this situation in the NICU, is that how you say it? NICU. NICU. With your baby daughter, Tess. And what did that feel like? Oh, uh, Kathy, I don't even know how to describe it. It's it, Well, it's sensory overload, and there's so much guilt mm. and fear that you caused this. Right. So there's so many layers, and you're completely a fish out of water if you have no medical background, or even if you do, and you've never, you know, not a lot of people have premature babies, and it's a whole new experience, whether it's for the people who are there, the parents, or the extended family. So it's it's very, very scary, and it's isolating. And it's one of those things where you have to put on your uh, blinders and get through it. Yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's you just don't really know what to do or and especially for extended family members that like grandparents, like we all want to I'm grandparent, as you know, we all want to help. We want to help with whatever we can. We feel helpless in a medical situation like that. And I recently went through one with my own grandson. What can grandparents do at the beginning of all of this to really be helpful to the parents? That is so instrumental that having a support system and having people that love you and care for you are there for you. And yes, the grandparents feel like you did with your grandson. It's very isolating and it's helpless. You feel helpless, but there are so many things you can do. There are very many practical things and there are very many emotional ways that you can support your family. And my background's improv, Second City. So when I was in there, I I had three improv rules that really stuck with me. And the first one was yes and. So you say yes to something and you add on to it. So if you say no, you deny the scene and it doesn't go forward. So that's a great philosophy in life, great for uh, grandparents in the NICU. Um, And the other one was you are an ensemble. So when you're in scene work, you're together as a group. That's how I was trained. And that was my mindset within the NICU. And the third one is play the scene you're in. So play the scene you're in is be present, not worry about what's going to happen tomorrow or what happened yesterday. Just be very present and aware and do what you can in the moment. So those kind of three things sort of anchored me when I was in the NICU. And I would say that to anyone else supporting uh, people who are family who is in there and tiny itty bitty babies and the shock of that can be scary. And besides, you know, that getting people to that same mental space that you're in, instead of you know, going down those roads, which we don't want to go down because might not ever happen, there's some very practical things that grandparents can do. So what are some of the things you think grandparents can do to really help um, the parents of a preemie? Well, from a practical standpoint, my body is just tingling right now thinking about it because it was such a kindness. My mother-in-law would come once a week with a cooler full of small food items and she had made warm sort of, you know, things to warm your soul. It was the winter time. Easy things that I could dispose of the uh, containers afterwards, throw them in the freezer. They, You know, friends would come and fill my freezer with fruit and vegetables, little to-go things so I could grab them to go to the hospital. Anything to keep you maintaining because at that stage you are sleeping, pumping and uh, trying to stay alive and and present in the moment. So it's Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Like you're just the basics and having someone come in and do that is amazing. You referenced something there I didn't even think about. You would have been pumping breast milk as well Mm -hmm. if you were breastfeeding, which you were. So yeah, you're right. Just keeping your health up became of prime importance as well for you and the baby. It was. And it was so hard to do because when you're in the NIC, you're, you're pumping and you're using a machine and you're freezing and storing and 
until the baby can get to that stage. And the great part about that was, was, you know, you had a schedule and you could do it, but I had to set alarms. My mind was not on it. So having friends and family to sort of anchor me and remind me or text me or just anything, and also to encourage and mm-hmm. compliment and say, you're doing a great job or, wow, this must be hard or, you know, tell me more about what's going on in there as opposed to, you know, like, what's that for or what's that machine or how come your baby's smaller than that baby? You know, right? And, and words of support are so important, of course, from our families and our extended families. Um, tell me if there's grandparents listening now who are going through this experience. Other things we shouldn't say and shouldn't <laughs> do. I'm sure you might have a few of those. Ooh, I have a few in my back pocket. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I've heard them all. Yes, you know, giving advice. Don't do it. Like in general, but especially in the NICU, because it's the first time for everyone and everybody's emotions are heightened and it's a very scary time. So if you can, bite your tongue. Uh, do the research. Find out what uh, prematurity is in all the different right. stages because it's a big, long, uh, flowing river, if you will, of of craziness. Um, and so, you know, just being supportive along the way and, and not criticizing or asking too many questions or saying, hey, uh, on the Internet, it says you can right. give them chicken soup <laughs> through that feeding tube. You know, silly yeah. things. Yeah. And even, I guess, not just when they're in the hospital and they're premature babies, but even after they come out and they start to live in the the real world, <laughs> the support is just as important. It's very, very important. And it's also important for grandparents to realize that there are going to be times when the family needs space mm. or they have certain boundaries about, um, you know, infections and controlling that kind of environment for their baby. And that's OK. They're not being overprotective. They're being great parents. And that's how they were taught in the NICU. And they're doing everything in their power. And eventually it will wane. You know, I used to douse myself in hand sanitizer mm-hmm. and now everybody does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now, you know, I can eat goldfish off the floor and so can my kid. And it's all good. Right. <laughs> Exactly. You and get there. And you reference it too. COVID has put this extra sort of, of course, stressors and, and pressures on uh, the parents and grandparents or premature babies. So if we want to do the research, as you are suggesting, what are some great resources we can go to? The most amazing resource I can give you is the Canadian Premature Babies Foundation website. And uh, they have so many links uh, for friends and family to help, support, peer support. They have videos. They have podcasts. They also have links for the family to join, and I believe the grandparents can as well, they can join the private Facebook group. And it's run by trained uh, peer support people, and it's monitored, and it's just factual information and support for families. So that's a great one. Go to their website. There's so many resources there. You know, having your, your family connect with other people who get it is really important. You can also, after COVID, I don't know the rules right now, but I saw many, many grandparents doing skin to skin with their grandchildren and helping out. And that's one of the best gifts that you can give a baby and the grandparents. Well, I'm glad that we're face-to-face, if not skin-to-skin. That's a different show. Um, <laughs> but we're face-to-face talking about this. And thank you so much for your input on this. I'm so glad to hear Tess is doing so well. And if anybody you know needs all of these resources, of course, we'll put them up with the podcast notes. Thank you so much for coming in today, Jack. My really helpful. Pleasure. Anytime. Okay. I love you, Kathy. Take care. Mohit Rajans has worked in the media business for 20 years and is currently a consultant in three verticals, digital, diversity, and dads. 
His blog, dadspotting.com, takes a new approach to parenthood by focusing on the next generation of fathers and the data around this market. He's a dad of three and can often be seen on CTV's Your Morning, heard syndicated on CBC Radio, and amongst a variety of media outlets. Follow him on all socials or connect with him at thinkstart.ca. Good morning, Mohit, or Mo. Mo or Mohit. <laughs> <laughs> it's so nice to have you on the show. Oh, it's, it's my complete pleasure to be here. I love what you're doing with this podcast and this show. I think it's remarkable that uh, you're able to at least start a voice in this genre right now. I, I think it's great. I'm so I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, we, we go a ways back, don't we? I think when I first met you, you had one young child, and that was it. And look, flash forward today, three kids, you know, a bit older. And you have this now blog called Dad Spotting. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, very quickly. Started DadSpotting.com as a direct result of realizing that most of the self-help stuff and material and online material that was out there was geared towards moms. And then I uh, started to build a little bit more of a voice for voices out there. So I work right now with other creators from around the world who want to really get their voice out there with dad-related content. And then I couple that with focusing on media associated with digital literacy. I speak to parents and really through television on the ideas of the changing world of technology and how it applies to our everyday lives. And what we want to talk about today is AI or artificial intelligence. And it sounds sort of sci-fi. So tell us about how we are seeing artificial intelligence in our lives more and more today. I think what we're starting to see is the real connectedness of our lives. We, we've spent much of our time in front of screens and with phones and on gadgets that we're wearing. And I think it's remarkable that we're starting to see some positive come through from these years of being connected. So in more practical manner, I think we're starting to understand that, you know, it's not just for young people. Technology Mm -hmm. isn't just for young people. There are benefits that are starting to happen between the ways families are staying connected, the way that we are able to anticipate our health needs, the way they're able to keep records of family history. Artificial intelligence is starting to become the complement that we were hoping for. And so we're seeing it being used in everything from the way senior care happens to the way child care is happening. And I think we need to pay more attention about how we can find some use of it. So let's talk about the different generations and how they may be using AI. How might grandparents be using it today? Well, it's remarkable because we're in a situation now where we've at least had a solid decade of data studying different age groups. And so the senior population, for example, might not be uh, the, the prime utility or might not be even the prime market for something like sensories and light, let's mm-hmm. say, for example. Now, the way that they're, they're designing things with AI, they're starting to be like, okay, wait a minute, there's timing associated with how people need dysfunction in their lives. There's safety concerns. There's brightness concerns. There's people that can't work in low light. And so it's those specific areas you're starting to see artificial intelligence fuel innovation. But then the other part of it that I really love, want to call out to your TV or your radio or your speaker and listen to this podcast without the hassle of going to a computer and logging on to something or finding the right link, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. 
you know, these voice assists aren't just fun and game. These voice assistant technologies that are starting to happen can help everyone from the people that need to voice assistant people who just have practical needs. It's amazing. Actually, my mother-in-law, who's got vision issues, she talks, you know, to Siri all the time to get Siri to do things. You're absolutely right. It's it's fascinating the way that it can really be helpful. It's not just a parlor game, right? It's really helpful. It's beyond the parlor game. We're, We're in a situation now where if you actually spend a little time to understand what the utility can be for some of the technology in your life, you might find some good in it. Absolutely. So this is a whole new industry, you know, how is Canada taking an approach to the development and regulation of AI? Well, I think on one hand, we're a little bit behind when it comes down to seeing how much we can recruit people from around the world to build Canada's AI innovation. But on the other hand, in every region across the country, you're starting to see businesses build. Now, remember, artificial intelligence isn't just about you and I finding conveniences at home. It's also innovating entire industries from the farming business right to the telecommunications business. So as we continue to track what we're, what's happening in our everyday lives, what we're also seeing is that our kids in the future, they're going to be working in some form of an industry that's affected by this technology. So I think it's a good idea for us to, again, stop fearing all this innovation around us, embrace it, and see what some of our future needs might be. Now, you mentioned fear. So I think some people do have a bit of fear around this. What are some of the dangers that concern people around the advances in artificial intelligence? I think we're in a situation where each one has to teach one still. So what I mean by that is you can't just assume that if somebody understands a voice assistant or understands that uh, how a remote chat bot might work, that they will automatically be able to function with one. I think we have to still speak to our people and our friends and introduce things to people and have each person teach another person about what ethical use is and how not to give security information to different people and how to be careful because just because you're speaking to Siri doesn't mean it's as safe to give personal information. Those are the types of things now I think we have to start going back to rather than assuming that all of us come from the same place when it comes to our digital literacy. Such an important point. I love this conversation and I referenced in my intro that you're going to be back on the show a couple of other times to talk about some other topics that are of great interest to me, including social media and seniors, all, all kinds of great stuff we're going to go through. In the meantime, if people want to find you, they can of course go to your dadspotting.com website. They can also find you on Twitter at Mohit's Movies, on Instagram under your name, Mohit Raj and under Facebook at Dad Spotting Crew. So you are all over the place, my friend. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually the most Googleable person I know. So <laughs> I, I, I stopped telling anybody where to find me. I've just said, if I've ever sparked any interest in you, just Google me and you'll just find me, I promise. Or we'll see you on TV or on the radio telling us all about this technology. Thanks for joining the show today, Mo. It's a total pleasure to connect with you again. Oh, happy. It's my pleasure. I can't wait to be back. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Retirement is about more than money. It's about having the opportunity to devote your time to the things you love most. Retirement can be your new beginning, your second act. That's the name of a video series by RBC that's sharing stories of Canadians who are pursuing their passions in retirement and highlighting the financial decisions that are helping make this possible. My next guest, Peter Hoy, is one of those featured in the video series. Peter's first act was working as a public servant for the Government of Ontario for 30 years. In retirement, Peter now volunteers his time on not-for-profit boards and teaching paddle sports. He's also taken up acting, appearing in films and shows. Peter has always been a saver, with RBC helping support his retirement plans. Now he's sharing his story, hoping to help the next generation, as it becomes harder to save than it was for him. 
Peter believes that with the right help, anything is possible. Good morning, Peter. Thank you for coming in studio today. It's a pleasure to see you. Pleasure is mine. So what was the switch like for you to go from a traditional desk job with the government to competing and coaching in paddle sports and acting? Well, to be perfectly honest, uh, it wasn't much of a transition because I've always been very, very active. Uh, I started paddling as a youth mm-hmm. at 15 at the Miami Beach Canoe Club in Toronto. And I've paddled pretty much all my life in sprint canoe, dragon boat, and now I do stand-up paddling, uh, as well as I do some coaching and instruction. So you really just sort of took that whole active lifestyle and made it sort of what you do now, basically. Very much so. And, uh, you know, I've always been a bit of a gym rat and cyclist and a jogger. So I believe, you know, physical fitness is really important. Absolutely. I'm with you on that 100%. And one of the things you talk about in RBC's Second Act video series is how important it was for you to work with an RBC advisor to make a financial plan and be able to retire and enjoy your time, both on the water and off. So can you share how you made that plan? And does it still hold true today? Or are you continuing to adapt that? Having a plan is so important and just as important as having the right type of advice and expertise to develop that plan and to implement it. And we've been very lucky with RBC. It was the best decision my wife and I both say that we've made uh, in a long, long time. First of all, they helped us assess our financial situation in terms of our income streams, our investments, and then they projected how much we would need going forward in retirement. They did in a very uh, objective and realistic risk risk assessment, uh, what our tolerance for risk was, what our lifestyle and life objectives were. And from that, they developed a a really realistic financial plan uh, that would allow us to know how much we need to spend year to year, um, and as well as some contingencies in the event that um, as life goes, Mm -hmm. something changed. And that plan projected out for us living over 90, and as well, leaving something um, in our estate as an inheritance for our children. So it was really a great experience and a great exercise for us. And it's given us the peace of mind, as much as the financial security, the peace of mind, knowing that um, financially we can meet our objectives. The last thing you want to be worrying about when you're racing for that gold medal in your Dragon Boat Championships <laughs> is, you know, the, the next steps financially. I mean, that gives you, I see what you're saying about peace of mind. What about other people who might be rethinking their retirement and considering second acts? You're obviously loving your second act. You're very comfortable with it. Any advice for people looking at the same thing? Well, first of all, be engaged. You have to find something that you're passionate about. Um, Look at life as an open book. Uh, So retirement's uh, either another chapter in your life or a sequel. And um, it gives you an opportunity to, to pursue something that you've dreamed of, uh, something you're passionate about. Don't limit yourself. Be curious and um, find something, whether it be very adventurous or quite modest. It's very personal, and it's something that you can do on your own, um, with your partner, in your community, or abroad. Just don't limit yourself. Find something that um, will keep you really occupied. Number two, um, have a good financial plan and a good financial advisor. And lastly, take care of your physical and your mental health. Be kind to yourself. And I, I guess it goes without saying, if you can fulfill the first two, engagement and having a good financial plan, having good physical and mental health, I think would follow. I think you could leave here and be a motivational speaker. (laughs) You're so inspiring. So when you leave here, Peter, what does a typical day look like for you when you're out in your second act? In my second act? Well, I also am a part-time actor. 
So I, I usually do two or three auditions a week. Um, I booked on TV, film, and as well a number of commercials. So that uh, that you know is a is a a new interest of mine. But uh, typically, they have mine would be paddling in the morning with my training group in Oakville, and then uh, catching up on work. And in the afternoon, I try to find some time with my wife, who's also retired, uh, to go for a hike or a swim or do something together. So it's uh, generally a busy day and an enjoyable day. So if we want to see Peter's video, we can go to rbcroyalbank.com slash retirement. Totally inspiring. Thank you so much, Peter, for coming in today. It was a pleasure meeting you. Well, thank you. I really enjoyed this interview. So much in this new world for all of us to discover. Thanks to Jack for taking us through the ICU from a parent's eyes and helping us to see what grandparents can do to support our kids. And Mohit will be back on the show a few times this season to keep us up to date digitally. I originally met Mo in the back halls of breakfast television years ago when he was a new dad himself. The world continues to change and evolve, and we need to do the same here in grandparent land. What's up next? As young and as modern as we want to feel, embracing our second acts and staying up with technology and other changes in the world, there is no doubt that the deck is sometimes stacked against us. Ageism is real, and ageism is certainly a strong factor in the life of a grandparent or anyone basically over the age of 40. Most of us are well past that. So how does ageism in grandparenting play out? I'm going to speak with researcher and professor Dr. Carrie Byrne, founder of the Long Distance Grandparent website, about this issue. We are never too old to try something new, regardless of what the world around us thinks. And Mona Andrade is back on the show to talk about the importance of following your passion. She's dancing through life, and she wants you to as well. New and Emerging is a theme for our Take 5 with RVC series segment as we take a closer look at their Emerging Artist program and put the focus on one special artist. I hope you found some focus today as you listened in on episode number 54 of Go To Grandma. I'm always grateful to hear from you on subjects you want me to talk about. Some of our best shows have been inspired by you. So please let me know. I'm Kathy Buckworth, and you've been listening to Go To Grandma on Zoomer Radio or on your favorite podcast. Enjoy your grand journey. Share your thoughts on this show with us. You can find Kathy on Twitter at Kathy Buckworth or email her, Kathy at KathyBuckworth.com. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.